We have John Crosby with us, and John is no stranger to this pulpit. We're always glad to have him here. He's the RUF campus minister at Rhodes, and he, like us, has endured a strange past several months and has questions about the upcoming months. Uh, But thank you that he has uh, agreed to, to bring the word before us this morning. We're, so before all this happened, we were going through Colossians in RUF, and I was enjoying kind of this book, marching through this book, and then it just, we, we, had, to, we had to go virtual, and so we changed gears, and, uh, and so this is the reason why we're in Colossians this morning, and um, we're going to look at these, these verses and hope it's encouraging to you this morning. So Colossians 1, 19 through 23. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and in which I, Paul, became a minister. Let me start this way, and just just think about this. If, If the Christian message... If the gospel, if the good news is true, then the best thing that has ever happened to you has actually already happened. The best thing that's already happened to you has already happened. Um, That if you are in Christ, all the treasures um, that you have in Christ, like eternal life and total and complete forgiveness of all, all our sin. And what we're even going to talk about this morning, that you're, you have, you're in the Father. You have the Father's love. Um, you're in the Father's home forever. The King of the world. Look at that, and I know that might sound like abstract to you, but I hope we can bring that home a little bit um, this morning. The best thing that has ever happened to you has already happened to you in Jesus. It's good stuff. Um, instead of running the standstill, like the U2, old U2 song, some of you might know what I'm talking about. Running the standstill, that, that instead of like working and working and working so that you can find rest one day, now you can go and you can seek And do great things from a place of peace and a place of rest. It's a radically different way of thinking about life. A lot of times we're thinking like about working and working and working so that one day we'll arrive at this place of peace. Christianity starts. It actually starts with peace. And then you work. It's a radically different way. So it's what Colossians is about. And so this morning we're going to talk about the love of the Father. One of my favorite hymns is how deep the Father's love for us. 
how deep the Father's love for us. Let these words wash over you this morning. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one brings many sons and daughters to glory. Those words are a great summary of John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that God so loved that he gave his only son that whoever would trust in him would have eternal life and not perish. It goes on. It says the father sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that through the son, the world might be saved. He says it later again in 1 John, one of the letters John wrote. He says it again in 1 John three sixteen, where he says, For this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Then he says it again, 1 John four ten. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son as a propitiation for our sins. That is that he has taken, he has taken all the judgment away from, from all our sins. And here's the thing. The greatest act of love in history, in the history of the universe, according to the Christian gospel, is that the father is the father sending his son to bring you to himself. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The Apostle Paul actually prayed like over and over again that you would know, that you might know the height and the depth and the width and the length and the love of God that that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer for us this morning as we jump into this. So let me pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the reality of your love for us. Father, it's been a weird, it's weird time. And Father, we need to be reminded, even this morning, of of your your great love for us. Help us to believe it. You know what our, 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 our last couple of months have been like. You know, man, how hard it's been. You know what our week has been like. You know the anxieties and the stress and the things that we worry about. Father, I pray that the reality of of the Father's love for us this morning would just hit us like a mighty wave. Father, we thank you for Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Because it is all about God loving you. It's all about God loving you. So two points. There's actually so much you could say. There's so much time we could could spend in this passage. It's packed full of nuggets. But I'm just going to do two points. Get out of here so we can go sweat at home because it's so hot and I have no air conditioner, by the way, and my pants don't fit. I don't know if I said that. So it's great. Having a great day. Um, two points. We're going to look at alienation, this word alienation. We're alienated from God. Um, the God who loves us, uh, we are alienated from him. And then second, reconciliation. We are alienated from God. And because God loves us, he has reconciled us to himself. So let's talk about this first point, alienation. We're alienated from God. Why are we alienated from God? Because of the evil in this world and the evil in our hearts. That's a, that's a really big statement, right? 
Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, there is a cosmic problem. As human beings, we have determined to serve ourselves instead of God. And this is what he's talking, this is according to, uh, according to like what the Bible was saying is wrong with, wrong with the world. He goes on, he says, we have determined to serve ourselves instead of God. And as soon as we've abandoned living for and enjoying God as our highest good, the entire created world became broken. Human beings are so important to the fabric of things that when the human beings turn from God, the entire warp and woof of the world unraveled, diseased, genetic disorders, famine, natural disasters, aging, and death itself are as much as a result of sin as our oppression, war, crime, and violence. We have lost God's shalom, his flourishing, and his peace. Physically, we've lost it. Spiritually, we lost it. Socially, we lost it. Psychologically and culturally, those things fall apart. And the Bible was saying the reason everything is so jacked in this world and messed up um, at, a, at, a mic, at, a, at a macro level and at a micro level, the reasons why things are so messed up is because of a real historical thing called sin. Um, and Paul says we are alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, alienated from God's by, by our nature. And Ephesians 2 says, by nature, children of wrath, alienated from God, dead in, in, in our sins. Um, you know, uh, for many of us, maybe, if you're like me, like COVID and isolation and wearing masks and doing homeschool, and I have a whole new respect for homeschool people, um, being cooped up in the home with your family, uh, being re- <laughs> has reminded you how messy the world is. Um, a lot of our students at Memphis um, College for the, is like the first one of the first times in their uh, in their lives where they've really tasted just how jacked up the world is, and maybe from their own deeds. Because there has been this personal element of alienation that they have experienced. And here's what I mean by this. Um, And this kind of freaks me out to think about. Imagine like over the last couple of months, there have been this 24-hour, seven-day-a-week video log of your life. Like think about that. You're you're a video log of your time in isolation. Um, or even a video log of your of, of, the, of the last two years of your life. Think about that. Every second. Some of it would be pretty boring, right? A lot of, a lot of sleeping. If you were watching my video, probably a lot of eating was probably going on, as you can tell. Um, and, uh, but, 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 but there's, you know, those, those moments you're thinking about. Those moments. They're in the log. And you think you would rather die than anybody know or watch? Just imagine some of those things. That personal video document of your life. Like, you know, like, when you think about that, if you're, if you're thinking about it, you know that existential guilt that exists. Um, because, because of the fall. Alienation. And so that's why Romans 1 says the wrath of God is revealed. 
most of us have this sort of like cartoon view of God's wrath. When we think about God's wrath, we're like, it's, it's, we're, we're heavy on like God's loving. He's a teddy bear. You know, he's all this stuff. And he's, and he's got a wrath. He's, he has a little bit of wrath, right? It's kind of, we don't have this big view of his wrath. And, um, and I love how Michael Reeves in his book, Delighting in the Trinity, he says this. He says, the wrath of the triune God is exactly opposite of a character, character blip or a nasty side in him. It is the proof of the sincerity of his love that he truly cares. His love is not mild-mannered and limp. It's livid, it's potent, it's committed. Therein lies our hope. Though his wrath, though his wrath, the living God shows that he is truly loving through his wrath, the living God shows that he is truly loving and through his wrath, he will destroy every devilry so that we might enjoy him in a purified world, the home of righteousness. Like we are alienated from God and we know deep down, like uh, because of that existential guilt that we feel and shame, and everybody knows it. Like deep down, we know there has to be a payment for that. Like someone has to pay for that. Um, you know, you can deny it. You can like put it back in the back seat. But you know, someone has to pay for that. There has to be uh, justice or the gospel falls apart. It falls apart. But God's love is revealed Actually, in his justice, like he loves you so much. That's why he hates everything that tears you apart. Like, do you see the father's love? Like you're alienated and he is going to do whatever he can do to get you. Which brings me to the second point, reconciliation. Verse 21 says, you were once alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of the evil behavior, but now you are reconciled. Now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Like here's what he is saying, like that Jesus Christ has done everything himself. Like he has done everything himself to actually reconcile you, to make you right to himself. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. In Jesus, all the fullness of God dwells. Like all the fullness of God dwells in Christ. And Jesus Christ only makes sense. He only makes sense if you see Jesus Christ as being first a substitute. Like Jesus is a substitute. That means in flesh and blood, he says that Christ, Christ's body, Christ's physical body through death, present you holy and blameless in his sight. Like his physical body through his flesh and blood, because actually our flesh and blood, like our bodies, our flesh um, is, is actually um, our, in our shame and our guilt is, is like touched like every part of our body. Um, to head from, from head to toe, the stain is on every part of it. And Paul here says that Jesus has this physical body. 
He became man. He put on our being like he had a head and he had eyes and he had, he had, he had a liver. Uh, he had a spine. He had cells. He, he was made just like us in every way, except for one thing. He had no sin. He had no existential guilt. He was perfectly living. And even people who actually reject Jesus Christ will say that he was one of the, the most, one of the greatest moral people that had ever, ever lived. Jesus Christ was spotless in his perfection. He never sinned, not in word, not in thought, not in deed. He lived a perfect life that no one else has ever lived. He is the second Adam and he lived in our place in our place as the substitute. And here's the point. Like in order for God to bring us back to himself, I think about it this way. Like why why doesn't God just, why doesn't he just forgive? Like why doesn't he just forgive, wipe our sin away and say, don't worry about it. Like there's there's no payment necessary. Like why doesn't he do that? Because that's actually crazy. It's crazy. It never happens. To say you just forgive someone that has broken your heart, to say it's forgiven, it's okay, it's clear, no payment necessary, that's actually, it's crazy. Tim Keller says just forgive works with some things like a careless word or a forgot, forgotten phone call, but to forgive when you've been deeply wounded, abused or betrayed or persecuted is always a form of suffering. It costs something. Someone has to pay, right? Someone has to pay. Forgiveness is a payment. Now, and think about that on like a cosmic level. Like, like think about it on a cosmic level. Someone has to pay. And here's the heart of Christianity. God pays. God pays it. He has reconciled you, not on your head, but on his head, the substitute. It's a full payment. He says, he has bought you and he's made you holy without blemish in his sight. And I started to think about this, like someone has to pay for all my, all my lies. Someone has to pay for all my lust. Someone has to pay for for all my hatred and my gossip and my jealousy and my rage and my rebellion and the fact that I haven't loved my neighbor as myself. I have not kept, like not even for one day, the law. Like I should keep the law. I never lived up to it and never have lived up to it. I'm cursed. I'm cursed. And here's what the Bible says. Jesus is a curse for you. Like he's a curse for you. Jesus becomes a curse, Galatians says. And in Deuteronomy, it says, anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. And Jesus became the greatest curse that had ever lived. He became the greatest curse that ever lived. Why? Because the father loves Jesus you. That's why the justice of God falls on the head of his son. Like I have three sons. I have three boys. And one of those started driving about a year or two ago. And in the last year, um, my son has hit a BMW. He has hit my own car 
that was parked in the driveway next to one another. Like, how do you do that? Like, he hit it. He sideswiped. It didn't back up straight. Clip. I lost my mind. He hit a few cones on the Wolf River Parkway. All those cones that are knocked over. My son. I won't say his name to protect his identity. But I remember when he called me after he hit that car. It was raining. He called. He was like, Dad, hit a car. And I'm kind of proud of kind of how I responded because, I, 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 you know, parents like, what are you supposed to say as soon as your son says that? Are you okay? And I said that. I was like, yes. And then I got mad at him later. But it was great. Like, whatever. Um, but he was okay. And I, he's like, can you come here? And I got there. And the, the cop was writing a ticket and looking at our insurance stuff. And I kid you not, it's raining. Um, and, and my son leans over to me while the cop is writing stuff down. He goes, hey, is this going to take really long? Because I got this dodgeball game I got to get to. Um, I'm looking at him like, what? Really? And, I, and to make a long story short, like, yeah, he went to his dodgeball game. He went on living the free, willy, like, high school dream life. Went on to play this game. Um, carefree, whatever. And it wasn't too long that I noticed later our car insurance had been starting to rise. I'll be paying for that for a long time. Like, he's clueless. Like, here's the point. Someone had to pay for that. Like, somebody had to, to take care of that. My son was completely clueless. Has never asked. Hey, what about that car, Dad? Has never asked me to this day. And you may be thinking in your mind, like, I'm not doing anything wrong compared to anyone else. I'm a pretty good person, whatever. Um, You could rationalize yourself. Um, But here's the point. At At a cosmic celestial level, someone had to pay for all the cosmic wrongdoing against a God who's perfect. Someone had to pay. And the Father loves you so much that he pays for every single sin. I said every single sin. That's what justification means, right? Like he loves you so much that all we have done is run from him. And he presents you before him holy and blameless, free from accusations. Just as you have never sinned and lived a perfect life. Some of you may be still thinking about that video log, like of your life, that 24-7 video log. And you have that existential guilt. Guess what? No accusations. No accusations. But what about in 2018? No accusations. On judgment day, no accusations. The judgment has already occurred for me and for any of you who trust in Jesus. There is absolutely no accusations that will stand against you. Not past not present, not future, no accusations. Why? Because he sees Jesus when he looks at you and me. We are justified. Our slate is not only clean, it is also filled with the perfection of Jesus. How deep the Father's love for us. Like how do we get back home? How vast beyond all measure 
that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure? Here's the thing. Listen, the only thing you have to do this morning is to admit that you're a wretch and become his treasure. That's it. That's it. I mean, that's what the table, we come to the table, that's what it's about. Isaiah 53, 5 says that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. With his wounds we're healed. One of my favorite, one of my favorite hymns of all time, it's a Christmas hymn and it feels weird to even, even say it, is Heart the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. I love that. That's the invitation this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Father, as we come to the table, may we be reminded of your great love for us. Father, we thank you for Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. Help us to believe it. Help us to really believe that you really love us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.